My name is Chris. Oh. My name is Kirk. I got saved in 1981. I was ordained as a deacon in 1992. I surrendered to the ministry in 1995. Was ordained as a minister in 2001. I'm here to tell you that I love our Heavenly Father. I love his word. I believe it's true. I believe it's perfect. I don't believe it's outdated. It withstands all time. So today, I want to just take us on a small trip about honoring our Heavenly Father. I'm going to be jumping around to a lot of scriptures. I will try to wait on you, be as slow as I can, which is not very slow. The first scripture I want you to turn to is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. God is speaking to Moses as he's having Moses go back and rewrite history that was never written at the beginning of time. And he tells Moses to write this. He says, then God said, let us make man in our own image. After our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. I want you to think about that verse a second. Let us make man in our image. Of course, we know the hour is the Son and the Spirit and the Father. But God is speaking at this time, and when he says, let him make man in our image, he's not talking about a physical image. God is spirit, right? So he, and Adam had a fleshly body, right? So he wasn't talking about the physical part. What he was talking about is the mental, spiritual part. He gave man the ability to, to think and to breathe and to act and to worship and to be sad and to be happy and to be angry. He gave us all the characteristics and qualities that we need. But we have a physical body. The next thing I want you to, scripture I want you to turn to is in the book of Romans, chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 31 and 32. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. He says this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with his graciously giving us all things? God delights in supplying your needs. A big problem is, is we sometimes have an ideal of what we need and God's ideal of what we need is completely different. That's just life. 
But the God that we have is, is an amazingly gracious God. Uh, sometime I would love to preach to you a sermon that I wrote in a field about how God's grace is all through the Old Testament. See, we see the Old Testament as law, and we see sometimes a God who is punishing and, 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 and not patient, but that's not true. Remember, he created Adam in his own image. Remember what he told Adam in Genesis 2.17? He says, uh, uh, I'm giving you everything. Remember, he, he, he's given Adam and Eve everything. They have a beautiful garden that they don't have to work for. They don't have to tend. All they have to do is reap the benefits of it. But he says in the center of this garden is, is one tree that I'm just going to forbid you from eating from. So what did, uh, what did man do? We ate of that tree. And do you remember what God said to Adam? He says, the day, the day you eat of that tree, you will surely die. You, I don't know about you. I, I'm just old enough to be dangerous. I remember when, when my dad would tell me something, he'd say, if you do that, son, I'm going to whip you. And he didn't use his hand. And he also did not, not follow through. But here's what I want you to see about God in his greatness and graciousness. Remember what he told Adam? The day you eat of that tree, you will surely die. Did Adam eat of the tree? Yep. yep. Did Adam die that day? He didn't die physically. Do you know that he lived another 930 years? That's a gracious God. Did Adam die? Yes, he died. Was there a part of Adam that, that, that left the relationship that would never be the same until he met him in heaven? True. But God knew what Adam needed. And, and, and listen, you and I are living in a time like we've never seen in, in life, in our lives. There's no one here of any age that can come back and tell you they've seen anything like what's going on today. We have uprest. We have uprest in our country. We have uprest in the world. Uh, we have uh, the, the, the virus right now. To tell you the truth, we've always had viruses. And they've always attacked people differently. I was driving down Route 68 one day and all of a sudden things got dizzy. I couldn't drive. I called Cindy and said, you got to come get me. She come gets me. I can't even get out of the car. I can't walk to the car. I start throwing up. She's thinking I'm having a stroke. I'm thinking, I don't really know what's happening. I get in the car. They take me to the hospital. They keep me in the hospital for three days. You know what they found out? A virus had attacked my inner ear on my left side, and I lost about 60% of the hearing. There's viruses. Listen, we live in a fallen world. The great news is, is that our Father is still in control. He, doesn't, he didn't give you the spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of love. We're going to talk about how that spirit of fear and how that spirit of love can be worked out here at the end. But before that, I want to continue to give you some more scripture. For God our Father is perfectly good, and we are rebels. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. We all have issues. And listen, even the Apostle Paul, who said, I'm the chief of sinners, he also said, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I do, I don't want to do. Oh, wretched man that I am, what hope do I have? I have Jesus Christ. Amen. We, we, we struggle. We're rebels. We have a natural desire to just rebel. 
There's a way to train that, but, but by the way, it has to be trained kind of out of you. And it, but it never leaves you. And man, if you give it any food at all, it does take off. In John 3.16, which is a verse that you don't have to look up. Before I read that, let me ask you this. I went to a, I, I taught high school and college kids, and uh, we were having a study, and I said, are there any whomsoever's in here? And they all looked at me. And so I'll ask you, are there any whomsoever's in here? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whomsoever would believe in Him, they would not perish, they'd have everlasting life. Oh, if you are saved by the grace of God through the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a whomsoever. Isn't that a good place to be? Oh. God so loved the world. Listen, a world that hated him. It, it ain't no different today. They hated him then. They hate him now. The difference, the difference now is there's a whole lot more people in his army on this earth filled with his spirit living out his life for him here being his voice, his hands, his feet. God gives you everything that he you need. God gives you the grace that you need. God loves you even though you are a rebel. Turn in your Bible to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. Paul writes to the Ephesian church, which is equal to writing to Grace Church today. And Paul says this. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. It is God's desire that you have peace and that you experience grace. He goes on to say, says, Blessed be the God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Listen, the moment you accepted Jesus Christ, you received the Holy Spirit of God to live inside of you, and you will never get a second dose and ever get a third dose. You have all of Him. Amen. What's going to take place now is some retraining. The Bible says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Thank you, brother. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You already have everything you need to bring glory to God, to bring people to Jesus, and to live with your enemies peacefully. Now listen, if that transformation of the mind doesn't take place, you'll start living with your enemies in a rebellious way. That's your nature. I grew up in a home that uh, wasn't Christian. My dad taught me, son, if they hit you, hit them back harder. By the way, it worked. But it was a wrong thought process. But you have to understand, my father was lost. My father is thinking with his rebel heart, like a rebel person, teaching me rebel ways. Now, I, I love my father. He was a hard-working, honest man, a, a machinist here in Springfield for 24 years at Cascade Corporation. Provided for us as a family greatly. Had some core biblical values. His mother was saved. His father was saved. His brother was saved. His son got saved, but he never, in all that I know, accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. And in 1987, he was killed in a motorcycle accident. Died instantly, quickly. It was a sad time for me. And it really wasn't because he died, it was because he really died. 
He died without Jesus. And so Ephesians is reaching out here and he says that you're blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Even as he, catch that, the Father has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. I don't know if you catch that. Before the foundation of the world, before the world was made, God chose you. This is how big the God that you serve is. And this is why it's so easy to, to hand down and submit to him because you know that he has your best interest. You know that he cares for those people who are ugly. And I don't mean physically. I mean mentally, spiritually, ugly. We're seeing it in our world today. It's ugly. But Jesus died for them as much as he died for you and me. And he chose us before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and blameless before him. We should be holy and blameless before him. We're rebels. How can we be holy and blameless? Only one way. When I meet Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior in 1981, the righteousness of Jesus was imputed to me and all my sin was imputed to him. He took my past, current, and future sins and buried them with his blood. Amen. And I have life. I listen, I'm still a little bit rebellious. I still struggle. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. She'll tell you. He chose us before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless. Listen, you're holy, you're blameless if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Romans says if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you can be saved. Saved from what? Saved from hell. Saved from an eternity of punishment. Saved from that place that God has constructed. That he has made. He is offering everyone in the world His grace. He says to them, come to me. Listen, He's telling you, come to me, all of you that are heavenly laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. I'm going to tell you, life is difficult when you start carrying the burden on your shoulders. It's tough. It's already tough. It's just tougher. Because God wants you to rest in Him. Why else would He say all things work together for the good? How is this virus good? How is that riding good? How is our government good? God knows. He's not revealed that to me. Do you know what I have to do? I have to trust what He has said and written that I can clearly read and understand. Can you understand those words? All things, and the word all means all, all things work to the good for those who love him. You don't have to be in an unrest heart during an unrest time when you're in the rest of Jesus. He loves you. He's providing for you. He's given you grace. He's given you all things. He's chosen you. He's made you holy. He's made you blameless. He predestined us for the adoption of sons. That's why today, we can come today on Father's Day and worship one Father. There's one Father who created us all and wants us to be His children. Predestined through adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ according to his purpose of his will, through the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. And we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. This is God writing to you. He's writing it to the Ephesus church, but he's writing it to grace so that you understand that you have redemption, you have forgiveness. Or we said it. Satan wants to bring up your past. And I'm going to be honest. Satan wants to bring up some of your present. And he wants to use that against you. He 
wants you to be less powerful for the kingdom of God when you actually have all the power you need to be successful for the kingdom of God. Verse 8, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. You know what the mystery of his will was? The gospel. The saving work of his son. According to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance. Man. I told you about my dad dying in 1987 and I received my inheritance, part of it when he died and the rest of it when my mother died. But I can't imagine the inheritance that God, the creator of the universe, who's made all things, has for you and for me. You know, that's what Satan wants to do today. He, he wants to convince you that there's a little bit of treasure here and that you'll choose it to replace the eternal treasure. And I'm not saying you're going to lose your salvation. I'm not, I'm not saying that, all right? I'm just simply saying the treasure that Satan is trying to get you to see is really not a treasure at all. It's usually called sin, and it's usually appealing to the rebellious side that we have. But see, you have a new nature. You're a new person in Christ. Middle of verse 11. Having been predestined according to the purpose of his will, works of all things according to the counts of his will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. It's not my salvation. It's yours. It's ours. It's everybody's. And believed in him, we're sealed. Greatest news I ever learned that once saved, always saved. And I want to tell you why. Because I got saved in, in 1981. And I, in 1982, I was a young Christian, and there was a temptation hitting me. But I told God that if he didn't take this temptation away, I was going to fall. You know what I did? I fell. Do you know what I waited on? I waited on him to beat me, to spank me, to punish me, to kill me, to do something, and it never came. You know what the punishment was? Me being miserable all the time, I was waiting to be punished. Your mom and dad ever do that to you? Mom sends you to the room, dad gets home, he's going to spank you. Dad doesn't come home for six hours. We're sealed. Not because we're good. We're sealed because of the work of Jesus. And in putting our faith in Him, we receive life. And we receive all these things that I'm reading to you out of Ephesians. We were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Can you, when you really start thinking about that, God of the universe, who created everything by speaking it into existence, lives inside of you. Can you imagine the great gift that God has given you? Listen, I'm going to be honest. I have a rebellious side. And when I get in that rebellious mood and thinking and thought and process and things happening, I'm thinking... Where does this come from? This isn't God. He's right. It's me. Verse 14. Who is a guarantee of our inheritance? The Holy Spirit is a guarantee of our inheritance. Until we acquire possessing of it to the praise of His glory. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward the saints, I do not cease to give you thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. 
That's what Orby asked you. He's taking a little break. He needs your prayer. Listen. There were many times Paul didn't go places and he sent some other people to go. Orby's not leaving. He's coming back. He needs a break. Lift him up. Pray for him. Pray for his family. Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now listen, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him is only found in the Bible that you're holding in your lap. It can be found and seen and experienced in people. But if you really, really want to know the truth, you've got to go to this book. Be you transformed by the renewing of your mind? You've got to come to this book. This book. I'm going to jump down to verse 20. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of heavenly places. The song that was sung here this morning, the first one, Better Than a Hallelujah. Man, is that so scripturally based. God says, blessed are those who mourn. Now listen, there's a time to be hallelujah. But every one of you are human, and every one of you are going to experience difficulties in life where it's rough and tough. You can't eliminate it. You know, uh, there's times in my life when I'm on top of the mountain. And everything is good. Then there's those times when I'm in the valley. And man, it's really, really hard to see any light. When you're in the valley, sometimes this is the only light you can find. You can't see it in people. You can't experience it. You have to read it, and then you have to believe it. That cry, seeking Him. Give you all authority and power and dominion. And above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And he will put all things under his feet and give him as his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of all who fills it. We live in a difficult time. But I'm also going to tell you this. This is the greatest time to witness for the Lord Jesus Christ that there ever was. People still need Jesus. People are still searching for Jesus. People are looking. And in this unrest of world that we have, you know, think about it. What happens if the United States becomes like Seattle? There's unrest. What if a, a virus would come in and, and wipe out the world? You've got to understand something. Who is Lord over the virus? Jesus. Now, as I've talked to many of you this morning, I, I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not tempting God. I'm not testing God that he'll keep me. I'm just trusting that God will keep me. And I'm not saying don't wear masks. There's people who need to wear masks. But I'm saying to you that my trust in the things that can wipe out a nation is in the Lord, not in the virus. He gave us that story 
in Luke where the people died in the temple that Pilate had killed. And he said, do you think they were worse sinners than others because they died this way? And then he talked about the, the Tower of Siloam that fell. And he said, do you think they were worse sinners than, than the others that died this way? And he says, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Man, do we have a message today for the world. Unless you repent, you will likewise perish. The virus could kill you. A car wreck could kill you. I just had a really good brother in Christ that fell off his roof the other day. Busted his head wide open. And I see you over in Miami Valley right now. Listen. Just working around home, it takes one And you can lose something. I got a brother-in-law that has lost his arm from here down because of an auger, a farm auger. Listen, one slip. But listen, it could have been his life. I'm not afraid to live because I know the one that's given me life. And so in his name, I'm living. And in his opportunity, when he brings the people to you to share the gospel, you just be faithful and share the gospel. First Peter 2.9, if you want to turn there, First Peter 2.9 <clears throat> says this. But you are a chosen race. By the, by the way, this world today does not have a race problem. There's two races, saved and lost. That's it. And race is not in skin color. It's in the heart. And so what you need to see is not how terrible these people are, but how great a need they have for Jesus. By the way, I told you, I didn't, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't grow up knowing the Word of God, knowing about God. I didn't go to Sunday school. I didn't sing songs. I was 24 years of age before I got saved. And all the people that I ran with would never, ever expected me to get saved, let alone some 20 years later become a preacher of the Word of God. And I love the opportunities to run into them. I cherish the opportunities to share with them about my Lord who has saved me and given me life. Philippians 4, 8, and 9. I want you to catch this. If you do not have this underlined in your Bible, I would encourage you to underline it. I would encourage you to remember it. I would encourage you to run this thing through your mind over and over and over because here's what God just is about. To, I'm about to read it to you. Here's what God says. I know, I know, I know, I know what negative thinking will do to you. So don't do negative thinking. Do this. Here's what God says. Finally, and the finally comes after everything said before that. Finally, brothers, talking to believers. This is almost impossible to do if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and have the Spirit of God living inside of you. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is any worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Now listen, why? And the God of peace will be with you. Listen, when your mind is trapped in negative thoughts, you will not you can't have it. It's, it's just not available. But it is available 
by the retraining of your mind into what God has actually said, and go back and, and you know, um, uh, I think it was Charles Stanley preached a sermon one time. He said, think about what you think about. I thought that was the dumbest title I'd ever heard. Think about what you're thinking about. And if it's negative, he says, stop thinking about it and turn to something that's positive. And he used this verse. Philippians 4, 8 and 9. I don't have my wallet on me, I'd show you. My kids know that it's my favorite verse. They had it engraved on my wallet for me. Philippians 4, 8 and 9. Because listen, I can be, just like anybody else, get caught up in negative thinking, and I can become miserable. And listen, when I become miserable, I make people around me miserable. Just ask my wife. She won't lie to you. I have a... Another verse that I want to share, and then I'm going to close. In, um, in the book of Mark, around verse 33, this is a story that you know well. Verse 33, he, he's, he's, uh, this is after his, he's been resurrected from the dead. He's meeting with his disciples. And, um, well, no, it isn't. It's before he's going to be dead. Because he's talking with his disciples, and he's telling them what's going to happen. That's what it is. And, and Peter... Uh, in verse 32, it says, and he said this plain, and Peter took him aside and rebuked him. Can you imagine? I can imagine Peter doing this, but can you imagine taking Jesus aside and going, you're out of your mind. That's just dumb. That's just thinking. Oh, I'm in chapter... Mark 8. Mark chapter 8. Verse 33. But turning to his disciples, he rebuked Peter and he said this, Get behind me, Satan. For you are setting your mind on the... You are not setting your things on the mind of God, but on the things of man. Did you catch that? But you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but you're setting your mind on the things of man. When negative thinking comes in, you're setting your mind on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said this, If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Church, I would encourage you to be followers. I want to share with you an illustration. This is an old illustration. So odds are you've heard it. Billy Graham was the one who originally said it. But it just stuck with me. Because if you're going to retrain your mind, if you're going to change the things in your life, here's an illustration that Billy Graham gave. He said there was an Eskimo who had a white dog and a black dog. And for entertainment, they would come to the city and these, they would let these two dogs fight. And the people of the city would bet on him. One week, the black dog would win. The next week, the black dog would win. The next week, the white dog would win. The next week, the black dog would win. But there was this one Eskimo who's setting off to the side, and he sees that this, this Alaskan Eskimo Indian who owned the dogs, he was betting. And whatever he betted on, So this man came to him and he's asking him this. He said, how is it that you know which dog is going to win? 
He goes, oh, it's really very simple. One dog I feed double all week, and one dog I starve. And whichever dog I feed is going to be dominant at the end of the week. Now listen, you have an old nature, a rebellious nature. It's still in you, hasn't left you. You have a new nature that God has given you by the grace of God that he's given it to you. And which one of those dogs you feed is going to be dominant that week in your life? That is so why it is so critical for the church not to give up on reading the Word of God daily. I am not kidding you. Daily. I know all of you. Well, I can't say all of you. I don't know all of you. My guess is most of you eat three times a day. And if you are like any normal human being, if you miss a meal, two meals, you become a little grumpy. You get a little agitated. You're kind of on the edge. Why? You haven't ate. You need that energy. If you didn't eat for the next day, you would be miserable and the people around you would be miserable. But now listen, we eat that normal routine we have. We don't have that problem. If you feed your old nature, you're going to lose peace that God has already given you. You're going to be a miserable person and you may make some people around you miserable too. If you feed yourself the Word of God and you let, you know, the Bible says be transformed by the renewing of your mind, it's going to dictate how you respond to things outside of you. Listen, there's a lot of pressure on all of us. If we let the pressure on the outside dictate what we do on the inside, we miss the point that God wants the inside to dictate what, does, what the pressure does to you on the outside. Does that make sense? Old dog, white dog, feed it, it's strong, starve it, it's weak. Let me ask you, I, I, I'm not here to put a guilt trip on you. That's the Holy Spirit's job, not mine. I'm just asking you, is the pressure outside of life consuming so much of you that you don't have time to read the Word of God. That you don't have time to speak with Him in prayer. Now listen, if you're like me, when I'm on that rebellious edge side, I kind of avoid talking to Him. And it's not that I'm afraid that He's going to spank me because I already, I've already experienced that. But what I know is that when I start speaking to Him, I start getting into His Word, He starts changing my thinking and my thoughts and the things that were bothering me really all of a sudden don't seem to be so big in the scheme of life. Because you know what's important in life? That people, we sing a song about people need the Lord. They really need the Lord. And listen, the people of God need the Lord. He's given you a spirit to live inside of you. He's given you a word a word, His word, that's perfect for every situation in life. Now here's, here's a catch. You have, you have uh, the capabilities and you have the freedom to get angry. But what does Scripture say? You can be angry. You can be right out mad. But you can't let that anger and madness cause you to what? Sin. Because once you let the anger cause you to sin, 
the anger wins. I'm guilty, okay? I, I'm not up here preaching something that I, uh, that I haven't experienced. I've experienced it. I've also experienced the love and grace of God. One more, one more scripture. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. Now, I'm going to venture to guess most of you know this by heart. And the problem is, is we know the prayer by heart, but we kind of stop there and miss that last little piece. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he tells them, he says, now listen, when you pray, pray like this. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. By the way, his kingdom is coming. Don't, get, don't lose sight that Jesus is coming back. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts. Remember I told you when I met Jesus, he forgave all of my debts. He's forgiven all of your debts. That's the beautiful picture here. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now catch, here's the prayer. And here's what he follows with it. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You see, the church is all about forgiveness and grace. We're human. I'm going to offend you. You may offend me. But I have experienced the forgiveness from my Heavenly Father through His Son, Jesus Christ, in all levels. And I'm going to here to tell you, I was not a good guy when I met Jesus. I'm here to tell you today, I'm still not a good guy. I'm just a better guy than what I was when I met Jesus. I am a sinner saved by grace just like you. But I have chosen to let the Word of God lead me. And I need it. I need that time. I need that time with Him in prayer every day. I need that time with Him uh, in His Word every day. And I don't need it because I've surrendered to the ministry. I need it because I'm a child of the King. And so don't you. You need it. And here, I, I'm just going to be honest. I've, I've been here. I've been in those times when it's dark. And those are the things that I leave out of my life when it happens. I leave out scripture reading and I leave out prayer. If you do that, you're feeding the old dog. But man, when you stay in, in the word and you stay close to God and you know, if someone does something against you, see it as a big deal because all things work to the good for those who love me that is God's promise I don't have to see the good I don't even have to experience the good I just have to know it's okay you need to know that what's going on in the world is okay Cindy and I were talking the other night Sometimes I'm in bed at 8, 30, 9 o'clock. Uh, this night at midnight, she's talking to me. I'm talking to her. We're talking about things from school. We're talking about crazy things. And I said, with the uprest that's going on in the world, I said, can you imagine how bad the world was when God told Noah to build an ark? I'm starting over. Can you imagine? We think what we see right now is bad. It, it ain't bad. You know why it ain't bad? Because the church 
God's chosen holy priesthood is here. You're the light in the world. You're the only hope for those who don't know Jesus. It's a good thing. So let me encourage you today. Go back to the Word. And if you haven't left it, I, I get it. I, I get, I'm in it. There's times I'm in it, but then there's those times and dark times in my life where I'm just kind of out of it. So I, I understand. I understand the struggle of praying. But man, do I sure understand and, and want to give glory to God for the grace that I received and the pleasure that I received when I'm right with Him. Not that when I'm right because I'm right and good and glorious, no. Uh, Isaiah 46, 6 says, our best deeds are as filthy rags to a holy God. So it's never about my deeds. It's just about that relationship that I come close to him, he comes close to me, and I can feel him, and I can feel the presence, and I'm able to deal with this world. God has me in a place where I'm working right now. I'd say 75% of the people I'm working with are lost. I'd say 50% of them know a lot about God. But man, what a beautiful place to be when you can talk about the Lord. I had to get permission to get off work on Sundays to be here because I have to work Sundays sometimes. I work seven days a week sometimes. I work, I, just, just two weeks ago, I worked 70 hours and 70 hours. And so when I got this opportunity, I said, man, this is a blessing. This is exactly what I'm looking for. I said, but I got to go to work and see if they'll let me off. Talked to my boss, plant manager. He thought about it just for a few minutes. He goes, sure, I think we can do that. A couple days later, he came down to get me to take me to go pick up a truck. And I'm sitting in the truck. I said, hey, I just want to thank you. I said, you don't have any idea what it means to me and what it's going to mean to some other people. And this guy's lost. But he says, hey, he says, Kirk, we're glad to let you do that. And he started telling me about his three-year-old. How she was just being ornery. And I got the opportunity to share. That's because she's a sinner. I said, Billy, you, you don't have to train your children to do bad things. You have to train them to do the right things. Why is that? Because she's a sinner, even at three. Cute, adorable. And I said, and by the way, under God's grace right now. Listen, there's a world outside of these walls that needs Jesus. You're his hands, you're his feet. But if you let the pressure of what's going on in the world mess with your mind, you're not going to be as effective as you could be. You may not even have the desire. I've been there. But I absolutely love to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when you find those people that God's bringing to you, because remember, Jesus has to draw them. The Holy Spirit has to draw them. God has to wean them to you. It's not a work. Let me close with prayer. Father, we pause. On a day where we uh, exalt uh, our earthly fathers, very thankful for them. Lord, I know there are many people who have great testimonies of how great their fathers were. And Lord, I'm sure there are some who, who, who do not have that testimony. And so, Lord, I pray for them that they could see how great you are as our Heavenly Father. How you have called us and drawn us and, and given us everything that we need. That you've made us priest, a holy priesthood. Because we're the only ones who know the gospel. And there's a world that needs it. We do lift to you the uprest in our country, uh, from politics to the rioting, to sickness, to just the power of sin.
And Lord, we want to give it to you so that we can rest. Thank you for being a great Father to us all. How you have supplied our needs. How just the next breath is a taste of your grace. And we thank you for that. We thank you for your church. We lift them to you. Lord, your, your church is under attack. But you have given the church the tools they need to advance the kingdom. And we ask you to strengthen us, to encourage us, to take our burdens away. Lord, to help us to forgive. Help us to, to live in grace. And as we learn that grace and fall in love with that grace, that we wouldn't abuse that grace. We thank you for eternal security through Jesus Christ. We thank you that his blood was perfect for all of us, for the entire world. And I thank you that this room is full of whosoever. And so, Lord, as we continue through the week, we're going to ask you to use it. We're going to ask you to feed us so that we can be spiritually strong and we can have wisdom and insight that only comes from you. Lord, you have said, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask and you will bountifully give it. Lord, I pray for each one that we will be in that position to where we desire Giving. Thank you for what you're already going to do in today. Lord, we, we pray for Orby and Bobby as, as they take this time. We pray for their spiritual growth. We pray for the physical healing that needs to take place in the bodies as we become worn. And Lord, we pray that they would just fall in love with you a little bit more. Thank you for a church that gives time for the servants who've been faithful and needed. And Lord, we're today, you are Heavenly Father, and we worship you. We worship you. So, Lord, we're going to ask you in this time of invitation that you would allow your people to see that the altar is open for them, whether they come here, stay at their seat, but that your throne of grace is open to the priesthood that you have made blameless and holy because of your blood. May they experience you, to worship you, to just thank you for all that you're doing. I am positive because I know you are in control in an out of control world. There will be a day that you come back. There will be a day that you sit on the throne. There will be a day that you will rule with the rod of righteousness. And Lord, we look so forward to that day. You've also said in that day, we will once again sit and have the Lord's Supper with you. I, I can't vision having the Lord's Supper with Jesus. But Lord, you've promised it. And we look forward to that day. So Lord, use us today with, with all of our weaknesses and all of our inabilities even with all of our sin that you've already bought and paid for. Use us.
for your glory. And may our Heavenly Father get the glory through Jesus' Son, Jesus Christ, His Son. And it's in His name that we pray. Amen. This invitation is for you.